Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. The show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpro. What's up, everybody? I hope everybody's having a good week. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you are prepared for the sea of purple that is coming for you down here in New Orleans as the men... The men of Omega Psi Phi fraternity come for our national grand conclave. The interesting thing is I think about how I got here wearing this purple and gold shirt. I think of my father. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on my show talking about Charles S. Corpru Jr. But I remember growing up talking to my uncles and my godfather who all were Omega men, listening and hearing them sing, not wearing gold boots, but wearing gold chains with this shield going to fraternity meetings, going to cookouts where they enjoyed each other. My Uncle Melvin, my Uncle George, watching them come together all the time in brotherhood, lockstep with each other. And although my Uncle Melvin and my Uncle George have passed, their legacy has been passed on. My father keeps the journey alive. He keeps the legacy alive. He will be down here in New Orleans celebrating almost his 70-year anniversary with the fraternity. I think about 1994, the year I was able to cross the burning sands. I think about my line brothers, Antoine and Nate and Stan and Seiko and passing. You know, boom. Brother, we're here with you. We appreciate you. Nate, thank you for all the things that you've done for me, brothers. How we've gone through this time, through life's journey, through being fathers and family members and husbands and mentors, all the things that should be a part of Omega Sci-Fi. So today I want to journey with you as we talk to the first vice grand bossless of the fraternity to talk about his revolution and his legacy and where he wants to see Omega go in the next few years. I'm here joined with Dr. David Marion. What's up, bro? How you feel? I'm doing great, man. Good to be here. Yes, yes. I am elated. I am humbled. I am humbled to have you in my presence. It means a lot. Uh, I put it out on Facebook this morning, and the buzz about having you on my show has just gone crazy. There should be a ton of bros watching the show. Shout out to the good bros of Omega who are watching the show on Facebook. As we sit here, as I ask all my guests, Dr. Marion, what's your revolution? Well, I think the revolution is to try to um, eliminate the stigma attached to mental illness. Mm. Um, One of the reasons why I got into the mental health field in 1992 was I thought it was important uh, for African-Americans who had the courage to come into an office uh, because they were... Uh, told that they had a mental disorder or a substance abuse disorder, it was important for them to come into an office and see someone who looked like them. Right. And so my legacy is to try to bring more African-Americans into the field of mental health right. um, to help reduce not only the stigma of mental illness, but the stigma of going to get help for mental mm-hmm. illness. Ah, brother, it, we talk at length here on the show about that stigma, and we're going to spend a little bit more time later on in the show, but I'm glad that you brought it up early, that stigma that particularly comes with us as men of color, that we hold it in, you know, and we've got to be able to say, you know what, brother, you on my mind, as you know, the hashtag that the brothers are using, and we'll talk about that in a few moments, but to really let brothers know that we're out there, and as you said, that 
we need more people who look like us in the field. So that is the revol- that is definitely the revolution. Mm-hmm. As we know, my people always ask Dr. Marion, they want to know what you're reading. What's on your nightstand? You know, what's that book that you want to send out to everybody? Oh, uh, The Alchemist, mm. um, The Secret. Uh, those are books that um, that I've read recently that, that, that I would suggest. Right. Mm. What did you get out of those books? Well, I think the importance of um, thinking positively, uh, the importance of understanding that the universe conspires in your behalf, uh, if you can just uh, stay focused and visualize where you want to go, um, it can it can come to you. Wonderful, wonderful. Everybody, the secret and the alchemist. Who is Dr. David Marion? You know? Oh, my. Um, I, I come from a family that's very interesting. My father, I, I was born in Los Angeles. Okay, all right. And uh, at the age of nine, my father moved our family from Los Angeles to a little town called Aberdeen, Mississippi. Wow. And he moved us there because he thought Los Angeles was kind of getting to be a little too rough. And he was born in Mississippi, and so he wanted us to come back to Mississippi. And I always found that interesting because when we moved to Mississippi in 1970, uh, there was still segregation going on, Mm -hmm. strong racism. This is a small country town of about 5,000 people. So you move from Los Angeles Mm, to a town of 5,000 people. Um, And so that's kind of what got me started. Uh, I was in a high school that had a a, – I was the black homecoming king. (laughs) What? And there was a white homecoming king. Shut up. I was the black uh, student council president, and there was a white student council president. That's what you had back then. Right. Mm. So what was that like? What was that like for you? And how did those experiences – shape the man that you are now? Well, I think they they really um, got me energized about race. Um, it got me energized about how even though there was no segregation, there was not real true integration, um, the town that we lived in shut down on Wednesdays at noon. And I always wondered about that growing up, only to find out that that was uh, a day and time that was significant during the time of slavery in that city, that they would close the city down at noon and everybody would come to the center of the city where black men were hung or black women, black men and black women were sold. Right. And I even think still to this day, that city shuts down at 12 o'clock on Wednesdays. I'm talking about all businesses closed. Everything. Everything shuts down as almost as if to honor. That's what I was going to ask you. Right. Exactly. That's interesting. And so growing up seeing that, and you said it was later on, but understanding that and how race became central to who you were mm-hmm. at that point in time because mm-hmm. of those experiences, would you say that? Absolutely. Right. You know, and that, that's interesting. Coming from L.A. How were you when you moved from L.A.? Nine years old. Nine years old. So you still got, you still had some developmental aspects that L.A. was a part mm-hmm. of who you are. Mm-hmm. How was L.A. for you growing up for those first nine years? And then as you moved into adolescence, moving into now this country town, what was the variance that you were able to experience? Well, I think um, and, and, and what I'm about to say I think is important because I think this is what my father, who although he only had a seventh grade education, I think he had some insight in terms of how people ought to develop. And you did not, at least for me, for those first nine years, didn't really have an, an, an idea of blackness, mm. of, of soulness. Right. Only to come to the South and to be, uh, for see obvious and, and blatant racism 
where there's no doubt in your mind you're black. Right. No doubt. Uh, no doubt in your mind who, who has the privilege and who doesn't. I remember that as soon as we got to Mississippi, I got sick. And so my mother took me to a clinic. And so we were in there for an hour or two and never got any service only for her to go to the counter and find out that we were on the wrong side. Oh, wow. And so we came out of the counter. This is 1970. So we came out of that particular room and had to take a left and go into the other side. And the other side, there was no carpet, there was Mm. no comfortable seating and et cetera. And so it became very crystal clear where I was and why I was in this situation. Wow, wow. Such such a dichotomy of experiences. Mm -hmm. And... Almost like you had to be culturally responsive very quickly. Absolutely. Very, very quickly. So at life progresses. You go on to college. You start thinking about brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What year did you pledge, brother? 1979. 1979. Wow. I was, I was, I was eight years old, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. What was that like? What, what, was the, what led you to Omega? I think there was no other thing to go no, to. I, exactly, but I just wanted you to be able to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just think there was there was no other choice. I think you get to campus and you see the other fraternities, but then you don't see them. And then all of a sudden you see the purple and gold and those men walking around that campus and you just know that's the organization that's right. that you that you need to belong to. There was absolutely no desire to be in any other organization. I had to figure out how to become a member of Omega Sci-Fi. Right, right. I, I, bear with me for one second as I tell a little bit of my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, my growing up in the household with my father and, and going to JMU and meeting some of the great brothers, Chris Powell, uh, Anthony Perdue. But I remember as a freshman sitting at home doing our Christmas break. And my father just, you know, we had talked about it, but we had never really, you know, kind of made that connection. Like this mm-hmm. is your next step. Mm-hmm. And my father being the charismatic figure, but one of few words, mm-hmm. he just walked, walked down the steps into the family room and gave me the drear. Mm-hmm. He said, read this. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting today, dear brother, as I, was scrolling through the fraternity's website and, and, and reading over the history again mm-hmm. and becoming full mm-hmm. and remembering, really remembering why. Mm-hmm. That, that, that reverence in the greatness of Omega Men mm-hmm. that have been throughout mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, and how the frat has done a wonderful job in talking about the decades and, and the great men who have come about in our fraternity who have led this country. Mm-hmm. That was very, because I remember reading those things in the drear. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really interesting. That was that was that that big influence for me. I was a history major in college. Okay. And so reading the Dreer and, and, and seeing the first parts of Omega were a big influence on me. Mm-hmm. You listen to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corper as we sit here with the good Dr. Marion. Also, you can listen to the show on WHIV 102.3 discussing our entree into Omega Sci-Fi. But I want to progress a little bit, Dr. Marion, as we talk about the mental health aspect. Uh, and I know that's something that you feel strongly about and something that the fraternity has, has taken up over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. For as long as I can remember, there's been an, a perceived image of what an Omega man should be. Proud, strong, stoic, gruff, unfazed. Mm-hmm. What are some of the adjectives you would use to describe Omega men? Uh, courageous, uh, bold. 
uh, forward thinkers, um, persistent, mm. um, loving, um, superior thinking. Uh, you know, I just think all of those things come into place when you talk about uh, Omega Men. Some of the adjectives that people don't necessarily mm-hmm. assign to us. But going back to what you said, talking about leadership in every area, every area, every area you can look in, you're going to find Omega men leading the way. Mm -hmm. And that's not by accident. I mean, that's that's just who we are and that's just what we do. Right. And so those are the words. Fathers, just what you were talking about in terms of your father. You know, I did want to say this about coming into the frat. When I got to I I came in at at Ada's chapter at Mississippi State University. And when I got to Mississippi State, I saw the purple and gold. And it, something in me kind of clicked because I didn't grow up with Omega Men like you were talking about. But I did remember a couple of men that I thought I saw purple and gold items and the shield and et cetera. And one was my piano teacher. Wow. Who I later found out right. was an Omega Man. And the other was a man, Arthur McFarlane. James Gaddis was my piano teacher. Arthur McFarlane was just a mentor. And he was an Omega Man. So the two men that I had gravitated to just so happened, to be quote, a- unquote, to be Omega men. So this idea of Omega men being limited in certain ways is, is, is not fair to us. We, we represent all kinds of things. And I think that we, the world needs to know that. Absolutely. There is this, I don't want to call it a stigma, the perception, stere- the stereotypical Omega. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. My good friend Jarvis DeBerry, who is one of the most prolific writers that we have here in New Orleans, New Orleans and actually across the world, he is the um, editorial Chief, am I correct? What's the what's the title? Yes, yes. At the time, it's Picayune. Jarvis DeBerry. If you're listening, Jarvis, thank you for all that you do. But one of the things that he says is that we're ordinary people. That that we as African American men are ordinary. But having a conversation with his wife one night, he was on the show, and she was like, you know, it's nice that this Kappa had you on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, what are you talking about, Kappa? She was like, yeah, isn't Charles a Kappa? She was like, no, he's a Omega man. She was like, but he dressed so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a household where my father put on a, a suit, a tailored suit, mm-hmm. every day to go to work. He was a principal for 33 years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I carry myself every day. Mm-hmm. You know, Omega men are, you know, come in all shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And I think the world needs to know that. Um, in saying that, in saying that, and I love that you have brought that to our attention, the show is about finding and embracing the healthiest version of yourself. What does that look like for us as Omega Men, finding and embracing? Because we're ordinary people. We experience trauma as well. And I think that's not talked about as much as we need to in the fret. Mm-hmm. What does finding and embracing the healthiest version for us look like? I think it starts with an honest assessment. Mm. And so I think um, when you're when you're honest with yourself and objective, then you realize that you're just as human as the rest of us. Right. And you're going to go through trauma, uh, traumatic events like anyone else, and you're going to respond to them sometimes like, like everyone else. And so I think that was part of the attraction to this program. When I was elected first vice grand bossalist, I asked the grand bossalist, could I go to – Maryland, because I felt like um, there were some good connections there to establish a relationship with the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. Right. He gave me permission to go. And once there, uh, a month later after being elected, you could really see the makings of a good relationship. And it was about this mental health concept. Uh, and so uh, I brought it back to the Supreme Council. It was unanimously voted for. 
And so we've been doing that ever since. But the first thing we do with this Brother You're On My Mind program, which has become our signature program, which has been featured in Essence magazine, Reader's Digest is interested in doing a feature on us. Uh, the Deltas have uh, partnered with us in, in the month of May, I want to say in 2016. Um, during May is the Mental Health Awareness exactly. Month. Exactly. And so they partnered with us, and our chapters joined together to do mental health awareness programs. But the first thing we do is we bring mental health awareness to the chapter, to us. So we bring experts in to talk to us about uh, symptoms of mental illness and resources in our community to go get help. Then we go out in the community and do it. So I think that's the kind of thing that we're doing right now that I think is pretty good. Wonderful. So in saying that, knowing that it's been rolled out now for one or two years? Four. Four years. Yeah, that was September 2014. Wonderful, wonderful. So what has the FRAT learned from these experiences? Because mental health, the, the perception and stereotypes of the bras, not really talking, per, the perception. What has the FRAT learned from this initiative across the board broadly? I think they've learned to to be more of a brother to one another. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 more of a willingness to kind of confront brothers on what they're seeing, um, and then offering uh, assistance to them, accompanying them to go get help. Uh, there's there's a, there's an awareness of um, of a person's of how they can use our resources for their own family. Right. Exactly. So on our website there are crisis resources. Uh, that were that were put on the website on purpose, not only for brothers, so they can have access to help 24 hours, seven days a week, but also their family members. They've learned that mental illness is not a weakness, that it's real, that there is help for it, uh, and they have been very openly talking about this over the last four years. That's a and that's a wonderful thing because we know that our first card is manhood, and sometimes, you know, because of our own perceptions, our own mm-hmm. characterizations of manhood. You know, I may not ask for that help, mm-hmm. but if I see my brothers, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. saying, brother, you're on my mind, I see mm-hmm. certain things. And one of the things that we talk out here on the show so often is that we ha- as men have to be able to see the signs, not only within ourselves, mm-hmm. but our other brothers, mm-hmm. and then be able to be willing to reach out and be vulnerable with each other. Absolutely. And that is something, that word that comes up all the time on the show, the vulnerability that has to happen for us to be mentally well. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that's key and something I think that we need to talk about more openly uh, as brothers. It, it, being vulnerable is not being weak. Mm-hmm. And I think that that fear of being characterized as weak disallows us from really opening up and saying, you know, I've experienced this. I've had trauma. I'm going through divorce, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm going through some mental health issues that I need some help with, mm-hmm. and I need to be vulnerable enough to say that. And and as well, on the other side, we need to be able to accept and say, you know what, I'm here mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great thing, particularly if you are wearing the colors of Perkman Gold and you're wearing that shield of Omega that you know, because that's who we are. Friendship is essential to the soul. And I think it's 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 wonderfully therapeutic when a brother can talk to another brother exactly it's something healing about that when you and 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 the lack of judgment and the willingness to keep what you say in confidence right and the willingness to not just give someone a resource uh but also uh accompany them to wherever they need to go is really showing uh, yourself to be a brother and a friend right exactly uh and that's one of the major reasons why we get into 
Omega Sci-Fi. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. As I say again, friendship is essential to the soul. And I have to give a big shout out to my other line brothers, Je- John Jessup and Frank Walton. They would kill me if I didn't recognize them. Thank you for all you do, brothers, uh, for giving me support. Looking forward to seeing you all soon. As we think again, how can this movement open up conversations for men who are not Omegas? As you said, there are resources on the website, but how can we be, then be a model for other men mm-hmm. in this work? Well, part of what we're, we're to do as chapters is to not only do mentoring initiatives, but fatherhood initiatives. Right. So in a lot of areas, like in um, Los Angeles, uh, Ricky Lewis does a program out there that's just fascinating where uh, it started with the Rodney King shooting, uh, but now it's grown not only to a focus of mentoring young black boys over a particular weekend, but now he brings in the fathers and does work with them over the weekend, the mothers. Earl Wilson in, in Atlanta has a program where he works with the fathers. So a lot of our chapters now are beginning to work with black men. Right. Uh, to talk about these particular issues. And so once you start opening that door up, and again, the initiative calls for them to talk to black men about these are the signs and symptoms of mental illness. These are the signs and symptoms of substance abuse. These are the places where you can get help if you want them. So it's a lot of things that we can begin to do with fathers who are non-members. Right, and we have so much going on here in New Orleans. My good friend Greg Rattler has done a lot of work uh, around the fatherhood initiative, but there's that systematic piece that you just talked about. We have to be able to provide fathers the necessary means to be healthy so they can then go out and take care of their children and their families. And that is key. As you said, one of the things that the adjectives that have to go along with Omega Men is fathers, is fatherhood, Mm -hmm. is community members, Mm -hmm. is those people. I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Um, we are living in the Me Too moment, in the Me Too movement, and we have an opportunity in a fraternity to be at the forefront of this. What is the fraternity's role in exhibiting leadership in this movement? Well, we did a, in Cincinnati at our leadership conference, we did a domestic violence workshop. And so there are a lot of chapters that do domestic violence workshops, that do uh, different programs for women around uh, Mother's Day. And I, I just thought of a, a particular chapter, I can't think remember the name of it, in the 2nd District that had Lynn Bias' mother come oh, and wow. speak to them. And imagine that. Right. And, and she had a powerful story to tell them, not only about his death, but what I didn't know, she had lost another son. Right, exactly. So she just had a wonderful talk to them with them about the importance of motherhood and honoring mothers. And so I think that's what Omega can do in terms of the Me Too movement. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. We have a wonderful opportunity since we've been leaders throughout movements, civil rights movements, social justice movements throughout, we have a wonderful opportunity to stand up. I I would agree. Right, and that's the the key. I see you, Rachel. (laughs) That, That is the key. It was really, really interesting just seeing how the Brothers of Omega have been sitting at the forefront of social justice movements, mm-hmm. you know, for decades, you know, and, and being at the, I mean, at the forefront and just seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to make sure that we are still there, mm-hmm. that we're still not only relevant, but pushing the revolution, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that is going to be key. I'm going to hope that our brothers have an opportunity to discuss how we push the resistance mm-hmm you know, over the weekend and over the Grand Conclave. As we begin to wrap up a little bit of our time here, dear brother, what's your legacy? 
Where do you want to see Omega in the next five, seven, ten years? I think we have to do more of, of the things that we're talking about here, particularly with our young black boys. It is amazing to me to see the stats when there is an absence of a man in their homes, how the statistics go up in terms of incarceration rates, dropout in, dropouts, uh, dropping out of school, uh, behavior problems at school, but also in, in uh, trying to relate it to this conversation, an increase in mental disorders. Right. So just the absence of a man. So I think Omega has a job to do where we can have programs all across this country where our focus are on our young black males in our community. And I also think we can do a lot more, too, with the uh, Brother You're On My Mind program right. in terms of taking it all across this country. Those are just two initiatives. I just think we have to focus on our young black men. Right. And that's what we do. Uh, and that's what the Re What's a Revolution show is about, how we find and embrace the healthiest versions of ourselves. How do we work together? How do we make sure that we know that, brother, you're on my mind, that I can be here for you, that if I need to walk with you, wherever that walk may be, I'm here with you. Absolutely. You know? You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show here with the first vice grand bosses of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. We've been talking about his legacy, Omega's response to Me Too, the Brother on Your Mind initiative, and just all things Omega Sci-Fi. Join us on the second side as we talk about Omega's legacy, what it's like to be an Omega, an Omega man for the last 25 years. I got my good friends James Singleton. Looks like he's alone right now, but his brother should be on the way, Damon Singleton. We'll see you on the other side.
welcome back to the Western Revolution show. Trying to figure out how many brothers across the country are singing the song with me. What's going on, everybody? You're back listening to the What's Your Revolution show, sitting here with the first vice grand boss of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, Dr. David Marion. There you go, Rachel. All right. And the illustrious, right, the mover and shaker, the man about town, the man, you know, the man that makes it go. I'm sitting here with my, my, my boy, James Singleton. Referring to my brother Damon Singleton, he's the man about town. But thank you for. I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to be here. Definitely, definitely. And on the phone with us, we are joined by the none other than the councilman, city councilman for District B, man of Omega himself, Jay Banks. What's up, Jay? How you feel? Hey, how y'all doing? We doing good, big brother. How you feel? Man, it's all good. It's all good. Man, I appreciate you calling in, man. Look, Jay, we're going to start with you, brother, because I know, look, I know you're busy running the world. So uh, what was it like for you, man, you know, being an Omega, you know, your time, you know, your work as an Omega man? Well, let me tell you, man, when I got to Dillard, and this is going way back a long time ago, when I got to Dillard, the president of the SGA was an Omega. The president of the senior class was an Omega. The president of the business club was an Omega. I didn't know anything about fraternities, but I knew that the men that were in leadership, the men that were pressing buttons and making things happen were all Omega men. And that is what made me want to be an Omega man. Right. Because people that make things happen are men of Omega. And that is what got me here, and I have enjoyed every minute of this 36-year journey at this point. And I'm looking forward to one conclave getting my 90-year pin. <laughs> this has been a wonderful, wonderful thing, because the ideas of... Friendship, scholarship, uh, perseverance, and uplift are real to me. No doubt. And, hey, man, I ain't going nowhere. I love this. I am a life member. And if friendship is essential to the soul, and I truly believe that. And the men that I have met in this fraternity, my lifelong friend, my oldest friend, Terrence Bradford, from Gamma Gamma, wow. is an Omega man. Right. And, and, it, and, and, look, man, long before we knew anything about Omega, we were children together. But the fact that my oldest friend... Is an Omega? Is magical for me. Wandell Smith is my best friend. An Omega from Theta Kappa. Wow. Hey, man, the people in my life all wear the same color and all say the same prayer when we kneel. And I love this organization. <laughs> I love that, brother. What you said really resonates, brother, is that people who make decisions in the world are what? Omega men. Omega men. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, dear brother. Look, as we sit here waiting for your your brother, uh, Damon, I want to ask you this question. I grew up, you know, in a household with an Omega Man, right? You grew up in a household. I did, I did. With an Omega Man. What was that like, you know? What was that like for you? Well, being in a household, my father was a strong African-American man no matter what, and being Omega just was another side of him that uh, appealed to me. But it was a strength, his strength, that guided me, so... Uh, he didn't try to influence me or force me into Omega. It's just that when we sat down and talked that one time, and I said I was thinking about pledging, all he did was put his hand on my shoulder and said, thank you and okay. <laughs> <laughs> my pop said, yeah, I'm not paying for nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't get that threat. But yeah. You know, I'm not paying for nothing else. He said, you, if, you want, if you want my money, it's Omega or, or any, nothing else. I definitely can relate. Right. So were there any anybody else, any other images? Dear brother said, you know, piano teacher, just influences in your life that were Omega that you actually didn't know until later? 
There were a lot of people in the community that I grew up in that were Omegas that I just I didn't know were Omegas. I mean, I, for a long time I knew my father was an Omega, my uncle was an Omega as well. Uh, uh, my best friend uh, Terrence Green, his father was an Omega, uh, even though Terrence. For some unknown reason, went the wrong way. Uh, he and I <laughs> clowned about that. His father loves me more, obviously, because I was a Q and he wasn't. Mm. But uh, I'm not even going to which way you went. But uh, <laughs> It must be a capper. No, thank God, no. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there were a lot of guys, a lot of gentlemen, a lot of men who had some influence on uh, me during, while I was growing up that I didn't realize were makers until later on. Right, right. And that's the great thing, you know. I still go back to your comment, Jay, that men who make decisions have been Omega. And we all sit here and know the rich history of our fraternity, know that we have been decision makers throughout history. Mm -hmm. Since 1911, right. we have been decision makers. And we must continue to be decision makers. Jay, tell me a little bit, dear brother, about how, your, how Omega's influence allows you to lead here in New Orleans. Look, man, again, cardinal principles. There you go. Manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. That is that it cap that that capsulizes everything that I try to do. The idea of being a man, the idea of standing up for what you believe in and standing up for what's right, the idea of having a word, the idea of being able to work with people and tell them honestly what you think and what you believe, that to me simplifies manhood. Mm -hmm. Scholarship. When we open the doors and pass on the knowledge that we have learned to these young brothers who come, young brothers and sisters, when we, when we impart upon them the knowledge that we have gained in this journey, when we try to open the door and pave the path for them, that is scholarship. Scholarship ain't just giving them a book to read. Scholarship is teaching them the life lessons that will prepare them to be successful. Perseverance, man, here in New Orleans, mm -hmm. a city that was destroyed by the worst natural disaster in the history of this country. The fact is that the people here are still resilient enough to be able to do what we're doing to welcome all of my brothers from around the world here. The fact that this city went through what it did and the people here were able to persevere and get to where we are today. Hey, man, look, I live perseverance every day because we still ride through areas of this city that ain't rebuilt yet. And then uplift. That's what this whole journey for me is about, making sure that this generation that is following me, that I have made the path better for them. Now, if you come in my office right now, if you walk in the door right now and my staff is listening, I'm not in City Hall, but they can see you <laughs> picture right now. On my wall is a plaque that says, I know that I stand on the shoulders of many, and I will work every day to be the shoulders that many will stand on. I genuinely believe that, man. And let me tell you, if you say that and work that into anything about those four cardinal principles, it fits. Manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. That's what it's about. Man. And I try to live my life every day exemplifying those cardinal principles. Right, dear brother. Look, thank you, man. Thank you for telling that story. I mean, <laughs> way to put the four cards into a story. That's it. That's it. You know? So, dear brothers, I want you all to think about this question. The Mega Men have always been at the forefront of resistance to injustice. And we know, we, know who's off, we know who's in office. We know what we have been going through. We've seen our rights being slowly and sometimes quickly being taken away. How do we fight, as a collective organization, the, the social injustice that are taking place right now in, in our country? How do we make sure that we are still in the fight? And I want good brother Marion to tell us his thoughts on that first. Well, I think the first thing you have to do is speak out. 
So I think you just can't sit quietly when these injustices occur. Too many of us don't say a word and somehow expect it to magically fix itself, and it's not. It's not going to fix itself until we take the lead in speaking out and galvanizing our fraternity brothers uh, because we're everywhere. If we galvanize our fraternity brothers across this country when a particular social injustice occurs, you're going to see action. You saw some of that in Philadelphia exactly. with the That's Starbucks. Exactly. talk about. Exactly. Right, because Omega showed up. And, and next thing you know, you start seeing Starbucks doing some things. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to show up and show out in these kind of instances every time. Right, exactly. James? Well, one of the things I think we need to do is, uh, like Jay Banks was saying about scholarship, we have to inform our younger uh, community, our younger school students. We have to make them more knowledgeable about their rights and be aware of things that are going on and to be critical thinkers. If you're not going to be a critical thinker, then everything's going to pass you by. You'll just hit the surface. You'll never get deep enough into things. So you have to be a critical thinker. Redoing those things, I think that will help the next generation, next wave of Omega men, and I hope things uh, become better. No doubt. Jay, what do you think, brother? Man, look, let me tell you. To me, it, 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 is, it is very simple. You, we are in a war, and we act like we're the only ones that don't know that we fight. <laughs> mm -hmm. You are not going to win this war by sitting on the sideline. You are not going to win this war by waiting for somebody else to call the charge for you to get active. At the end of the day, man, look, if you ain't got your 40 acres in the mule yet, guess what? It ain't <laughs> you ain't coming. getting it. It's not coming, like, bro. You can go sit out there and wait for FedEx all you want. It ain't on the truck. It is incumbent upon us. We have to take responsibilities. Now, those forces that are out there are real. Those forces that are out there ain't going nowhere. They're going to be there. They have been there. But the fact is we have to acknowledge the fact that they're there and work within ourselves to get past it. Now, the injustices that we see every day, we can no longer just say, oh, no, that ain't me. It don't affect me. Yes, it does, because there is no difference between us and them. Omega men as literate, as educated, as professional as they are. When they step outside the door, you know what a whole lot of people see? They see just another N-word. <laughs> they don't see a differentiation between the educated black man, the ignorant black man, the convicted black man. All they do is see a black man, and it's okay for them to discriminate. You just talked about what happened in Philadelphia. Right. The fact of the matter is we don't have the luxury to be able to sit back and wait for somebody else to come and save us, man. Mm -hmm. no. It is incumbent upon us. We got to get out there. We got to knock the doors. We got to encourage our people. They got to get out here and vote. People are crying about the president. Well, the fact of the matter is it wouldn't have taken a whole lot more in a couple of different places. If a few more people had gotten out there and pressed the button, man, you wouldn't be living this right, thing. Right, right. Tell the story, Jay. Right? Right. No, no don't, don't, don't get it twisted. The hatred is not going to go away. The bigotry ain't going to go away. The fact of the matter is, unless we stand up and say, hey, look, man, you do what you're going to do, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. It's going to continue. Right. And we don't have the choice. No, it is we, a responsibility. Right. And I'm going to charge every Omega man. I don't care where you from, New Orleans, Newark, or wherever <laughs> you at, man. If you're in Timbuktu, there is somebody that you can help to enable themselves to be able to make more efficient, more, more, more sane decisions to be able to fight this struggle every day. Right. And I'm going to ask everybody out there, hey, man, stand up. Go grab somebody. Right. And Go that's, out here and, and, that's and what make we've sure been doing. they understand. Yeah, exactly, Jay. And the thing I think we need to see, and I don't know how this is being talked about, particularly uh, at the Supreme Council level, 
But how are we pushing more of our brothers into running for political office? Well, well, I think one of the things that that we have not historically done that we've started to do now is support the ones who are running. So I think when you have brothers that are running for office and 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 Omega Sci-Fi knows that you're running and then we don't put any money behind you, then it, it kind of sends a signal that you're on your own. And so I think we have to support the brothers that are running. And, and we've been doing a good job of doing right. that. And I think that encourages others to run. Right, right. E- ex- exactly. James, you wanted to say something? I'm agreeing. Uh, that's that uplift. There you go. There, there, there is. And Barack Obama and has Barack entered Obama's the building. The All right. right. <laughs> What's up, bro? How you feel? Damon Singleton has entered right. the building, everybody. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal, sitting here with the best bros. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the first vice, first vice grand bosses of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, Dr. David Marion, James Singleton, the man about town extraordinaire, the pontificator, the pundit, right, and the meteorologist. That's right. Damon Singleton. And of course, don't forget that illustrious Jay Banks on the mic. That too. is exactly. Look, I, Jay, Jay, Jay brings it himself. You, ain't yeah. that right, Jay? <laughs> Jay, oh, Jay. Yo. Oh, there he is. I thought we lost. Well, I thought we had you lost you, did, brothers. Sorry. We broke. Okay. Right. So look, let's have a little bit of fun. You know, we've been talking about some serious topics. Um, what's been your most memorable, most memorable experience as an Omega Man? And Damon, you get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> My most memorable experience. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, the first thing that pops in my mind is um, when I was with my boy Jesse uh, in Miami, and um, you know we. Your wife's listening, Doug. Well, this is before I was. <laughs> this is before I was married, and before I even met her. Right. Um, but we were rolling to meet these these two ladies, and uh, and Jesse gets a call. There's a brother that um, that that he doesn't know. That, that called up and uh, was asking for some help. He was at the airport. And um, Jesse said, okay, hung up the phone, turned around, and we headed up to the airport. Right. Picked up the brother and uh, brought him to his destination. You know, gave him some uh, some dollars to, to help out. And uh, that's, that's, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Really? Yeah. Gave him some uplift, huh, bro? Some right. uplift, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Marion? Oh, I was trying to think about trying to put it into one, you know. I mean, there's just been so many wonderful experiences. Um, but but I would say in the time of loss, the way the brothers respond right, to you. Right, right. I mean, you, you just see love coming out from so many different places, a sincere uh, care about how you're doing, and then follow up. Because a lot of people after a death will say, how you doing? If you need anything, call me. Right. But it's another thing to check with me a week later. How you doing, man? Right. You still good? A week later, you still good? You know, and 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 showing you the love, giving you that uplift. You know, you just can't measure that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think for me, dear brothers, uh, I re- it, it it's always spending time with my father. But I remember right after I crossed, uh, my mother and my girlfriend Tracy at the time were sitting in our family room, and my father and I locked up and sang the hymn together mm. for the first time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And my father has a wonderful voice, and just spending that moment with him. And I remember as I travel, he's he's gotten older now and maybe a little forgetful. But every time I would leave, he would say, "Safe travels, bro," and he would give me the grip. Mm-hmm. You know, and you all know That's that, right. yeah, That's right. that that legacy. That are you legacy, Doctor Mary? No, sir. You know that 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 legacy that your, your pops came before you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it was always that little bit of emotion that you know that it, was, it was a little safe for travel when you got the grip from your pops, you know? <laughs> right, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A, a legacy um, I hope to pass on, too. Yeah. No, and so that, that's interesting that you say that. You know, Jay, you already have a son who's an Omega, correct? My son is not an Omega. He's not an Omega. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. As a matter of fact, hopefully it will be coming very soon, so I do not want to jinx that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day, absolutely. Right. So the question that I ask you all is that what do you tell your son when he comes to you? Say, you know what, Dad, I'm thinking about being an Omega man. What do you, what do you say? And for me, it's very clear, man. There's a very distinct difference between an Omega man and what many people refer to as a nasty Q-do. Tell the story, and bro. The tell the story. The day, to me, I am an Omega man. Mm. And the ideals that I live my life by, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift, that is what I imparted on him to make sure that he is on the path that I need him to be. The fact that we are who we are excites me that he wants to be here, but it's all about being an Omega man. Man, all of that other stuff, and brothers can have fun and do whatever they want to do with all of that. And I ain't disparaging nobody for having their tilt. Mm -hmm. But to me, there's a very strong difference between an Omega man and some of them other folks out there. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I got two sons, I tell them both, when you get to be an Omega man, there is something very special about that. Mm. Now, I'm going to give you the foundation, but I'm looking forward to you carrying the water all the way for yourself. <laughs> but it's about being an Omega man. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to instill in them. Jay, look, I know your time has been short, but, brother, you have stole the show. You have, <laughs> you have stole this half hour, dear brother. I appreciate you so much, bro. Well, hey, man, anytime you need me, call me. I look forward to shaking your hand. I'm going to be at uh, I'll be at the club. I mean, I'm registered, and I will be there in between all of this other stuff. But uh, welcome, everybody, to New Orleans. Please enjoy all that we have. This is the most unique and special city on the planet, so enjoy yourselves. Be careful, and I'm looking forward to seeing every one of you. No doubt, bro. Be safe, bro. Take care. James, right, you know, James, James, you and Damon have sons, man. What are you going to say to them? Well, I'm, I'm like Jay. I have... Um instilled into my son uh, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. We never, he and I were actually just talking uh, a week or so ago about persevering and not letting things fall by the wayside, not being deterred by um, issues or problems that arise. That if you just calm down, think for a minute, you can get through anything. So right. um, I may not have said to him, son, these are the Omega principles, um, <laughs> but I still have said that, you know, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift is is the key to life and thing that you should be focusing on and try to uh, achieve. Right. So not, I didn't say, once again, he, he don't have to pledge Omega. What? On my <laughs> money, he can't pledge <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> but he don't have to pledge Omega. I would love it if one day he decided to uh, pledge Omega, but... If he play, if he doesn't, he can't play nothing else on my money. I got you. My pop said the same thing. What about you, Damon? Well, you know, I, I, um, I, I think I, I do instill uh, a lot of the things that, that uh, a lot of ways I, I try to live. And, um, you know, we just had, um, you know, I had my son, took him to, uh, to Stanford University for, because, you know, my son's a big swimmer. Right. And uh, took him to Stanford University for their swim camp out there. And he was a little uneasy about that. And, uh, you know, I looked at him and said, you know, there's, there's nothing, you're, you're a young black man, there's nothing you can't do. Right. There's nothing you can't accomplish. And so don't be intimidated by Stanford or by, you know, the kids that you think are going to be there. But, you know, be, be your own man. And, you know, beyond that, just, just young men that I come across, mm -hmm. you know, in mentoring, because uh, I've, had, I've had them 
young men say to me, man, I want to be a Q. I want to hop and I want to get the girls and I want to do this and I want to do that. And, you know, you, you find yourself, um, <laughs> yeah, you find yourself talking about the work and, you know, and explaining, you know, our, our, found, our founders were scholars. Scholars, right. man. Yeah? And right. we, we were, our founders were scholars in the time that was so difficult, mm-hmm. you know, ten times harder to become a scholar mm-hmm. and ten times more dangerous right, to become a black, exactly. an educated black man. And, then. and, and have become leaders. Yeah. yeah. I mean, leaders. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you, you, you just take a, take a moment to sit down with the young brother and say, this is, this is what, forget what you've heard. Right. You know, this is what we're, this is we're, what about. we're all about. And so, and, and I hope I do that with my son as well. Right. No, I, I think that we, you know, if anybody's listening who's not an Omega today, they know manhood scholarship, perseverance, and uplift, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you think do. about how those cardinal principles are instilled in us mm-hmm. and how waking up every day, if you think about them, and they have been etched and ingrained in your mind and your work, they are lifelong principles that lead you to success, mm-hmm. right? If mm-hmm. you do not get lost in just one of them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not just about one of them. Yes, Rachel, I know about the question, right? <laughs> it's, it's not just one principle. It is those four working together, right, right that Absolutely. lead us to success. Right. So, Dr. Mayor, I want to ask you, I know that was a very unequitable question. I asked about Omega men and sons, but you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I have daughters. You have daughters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So your daughter comes home and says, Daddy, I met this, uh, I met this bruh. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about dating. What you going to say? What you going to say to her? Let Daddy check him out first. <laughs> yeah. But I think to, to your question, too, though, I think as an Omega man, it's important to set the example for her of what to look for yeah. in a man. So. If she's living under the direction and guidance of a man who is living in accordance to our principles, mm-hmm. then that's the kind of man she will look for. And so she's an amazing little girl, uh, my youngest one, because I, I never forget, I was a seven district representative. I was going out of office, and she uh, was very sad about me coming out of office. I had served three years, so I couldn't run again, so that was it, you know. But I eventually ran for first vice grand boss lesson one. But she was so sad because she thought that if I couldn't lead, I could no longer be a member of Omega Psi fraternity. And so that's the example that I've set for her is that leaders are Omega Psi Phi fraternity, members of our fraternity, and members of our fraternity are leaders. Right. You can't be a member if you don't want to lead or serve. And that's the example. Man. Uh, I almost say that's the drop the mic moment, <laughs> you know, uh, the drop. The, but you're exactly right that we have to lead. And I think we've talked so much on the show today about how we want to make sure with the landscape being what it is, that we show we be role models for our daughters, that we be role models for our sons, that we fight the injustices, that we stand up, that we support those brothers who decide to run for office, that we support each other. And I, I, I've got to say, I, I've got to say here, you know, that these two Men, right? I want to call you clowns, but all right, <laughs> because that's what we do. You know, part part of brotherhood and friendship is being able to laugh with each other. And I have to say that I am grateful for these two men um, because J- uh, Damon actually was one of the first men that I met when I came to New Orleans 13 years ago. He and good brother B Mac, right? <laughs> right, good brother B Mac. What's up, B? Um, at um, Le Bon Temps Roulet. Here's this tall, statuous brother, right? I, I'm out throwing up the hook. She was like, who are you? <laughs> right? 13, 13 years later, man. What you know about that? Right. What you know, what, what you know about right. That's the question. Right. What you know about that? Uh, I met his brother, James, as, you know, we would see each other on the yard at, at Tulane and didn't even know. Hmm. Didn't even know, good brother Marion, that we were uh, 
both Omega Men, and I had on a pin one day, right? Yeah. Once again, thought I was a cap. <laughs> <laughs> Bros do dress well, James. <laughs> Yeah, I, ha- I, I have to agree. I have yeah, to agree. Yeah, I had on a pen. He was like, have we ever had a conversation about that? I was like, should we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's sit down for a second. You know, I was like, you know, I'm from the third, bro. You know, we know how to talk. Right? At, least, at least I used to. Used to. At least I can't to. remember anything these days. But look, dear brothers, I thank you for your friendship. It means a lot to me. Uh, the time that we've spent together for the last 13 years have been nothing short of splendid, brother. You know, and the laughter that we share. I appreciate you, Dr. David Marion, for your time today as we, as we have spent this wonderful time talking about our beloved fraternity. I wish you well. I wish you success, right, in everything that you do and how you lead our fraternity in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Definitely. As we sign off today, you've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal, WBOK, 1230 AM, also broadcast on WHIV 102.3. We look forward yes, to seeing have, you and uh, hearing from you each of your guests as we talk about the eight ways to find the healthiest version of yourself. Rachel wants to say something. I'm in trouble, but you all know. Thank you. Peace, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Zoom, zoom.